0: And it came to pass after three days they found Jesus in the temple, sitting in the middle of the teachers and listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear Saints, the gospel lesson for today is about Joseph and Mary accidentally leaving the 12-year-old Jesus who was entrusted to their care in the temple. And then three days later, finding him there, asking questions and giving answers and teaching the teachers. The Bible doesn't tell us much about what happened between Jesus' birth or his infancy and his adulthood. Uh, There's a 30-year span there. Uh, In fact, this text for today, the gospel lesson that you heard, is the only account about Jesus as a young boy. This is all we hear about those years in between. Uh, nevertheless, it's remarkable because we've never seen anything like this before. Jesus, a young boy, teaching theology. <clears throat> now, imagine this. The, great, uh, the, the greatest and the most learned theologians gathered to hear and study and discuss God's Word there in the temple. There are scribes and priests who have devoted their lives entirely to understanding the Scriptures. And in the midst of them, there's a 12-year-old boy who's not only listening to the conversation, but is following along, and he's understanding what they're talking about. And he's asking them questions that's getting to the heart of the matter, and he's even questioning, uh, and he's even answering some of these questions. And the Bible says that they were all amazed or astonished. And the Greek word here is existanto, uh, which literally means to stand outside of yourself. That's, that's how uh, shocked they were. In other words, they were beside themselves with, with amazement at what is coming out of this boy's mouth. <clears throat> now, in fact, Luke, the writer of the gospel text, uses this word two other times in, in the gospel. Uh, when Jesus resurrected Jairus' daughter from the dead, he, he says that her parents were amazed He used the same exact word there. When they witnessed somebody come back from the dead, uh, they were beside themselves or ecstatic is what the word is. Uh, When the women uh, went to the temple or went to the to the tomb of Jesus and it was empty and they told the disciples, it says that the disciples were amazed. It's the same word, that they were astonished in the same way. So this is a significant reaction, the same astonishment that is coming at this young little boy, 12 years old, who is teaching the Word of God. Now, we don't know exactly what Jesus was saying. Uh, but what we do know is that it was remarkable enough to, to stump and stun the most learned people in all of Jerusalem, in all the world, according to the Scriptures. Um, Now we've seen prodigies and we've seen savants in all fields of study. We've seen children have a deep and a remarkable understanding, even a mastery of topics at a very young age. Uh, We've seen child prodigies. We've seen uh, what they do with math or music or literature or art or even sports or or chess or so on. Uh, And we've seen young children graduate from college and earn doctorates before they can legally drive a car or vote, we've seen this stuff before. But we've never seen something like this in the gospel lesson before. We've never seen a child prodigy in theology. We've never seen this before and we'll never see it again. You can have a child savant or a genius In every other field of study, except for theology, there are no prodigies when it comes to the Word of God. And that is because sin hasn't just mortally ruined our body and our soul, but it has ruined our mind as well. Romans chapter 3 says this. Pay attention to these words. It says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. The way of peace they have not known. There is not fear of God before their eyes. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. <clears throat> and as a result of this, listen to what uh, Second Corinthians chapter two says. It says, uh, "He it puts it this way: the natural person does not accept." Or receive the things of the Spirit of God, because they are foolishness to him, and he is not able, he's, he's incapable, he doesn't have the power to understand or know them, because they are spiritually discerned. It is not about intellect, but about the Spirit. Ephesians chapter four says they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. And then again, Isaiah chapter nine, this is why Isaiah chapter nine refers to us as the people who walked in darkness. It's talking about a darkness of understanding when it comes to God. We don't know who God is, who he rightly and truly is. Now, this darkness of mind, this ignorance came into the world when Adam and Eve, when uh, sinned deliberately and willfully cast away their knowledge of God in their heart and their mind when they sinned against Him. And now what we have is this passing down of this ignorance of God and this hatred of God's Word that is innate, that is naturally born within us. Uh, In theology, we call this original sin. This is where sin originates from. It's coming from us. Now, original sin has corrupted our minds so that they don't work um, in in one specific way. They work well in all ways except when it comes to God. So so we still retain the intelligence to learn and master things of this world, uh, but we're entirely incapable of understanding or even mastering the things of God, specifically the things that have to do with God's grace. And his salvation. Okay, with all that being said, uh, what does it all mean? It means that we are all naturally bad at theology, we are all bad theologians by birth. Our natural opinions and thoughts about God, the things that come most easily to our mind when we think about God, those things are, in fact, wrong. Our hearts and our minds are working against the Word of God whenever we hear it. So uh, the original sin in our hearts makes us bad theologians. It it, uh, It makes theology difficult. For us, it's a very difficult task because our minds are constantly fighting against it because we we won't accept it to be true. And, And that's why Jesus was able to understand and teach and amaze people with his words in the temple. It's precisely because he did not have any sin hindering his mind. He was able to receive and learn these things very easily. He didn't have sin clouding his judgment. And his understanding of God. And so when he heard of the word of God, it, he was able to understand it and receive it joyfully and remember it. Now, we, we do have sin clouding our mind. <clears throat> uh, look, I grew up a Lutheran. I have been in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, my entire life, at least nominally. Uh, I'm the son of a Lutheran pastor I've been surrounded and inundated in theology since I was an infant. I've had access to some of the greatest books, the greatest theological books uh, we, we, we've seen in this world. I went to seminary and I studied to be a pastor. Uh, seminary education takes four years and I did it in six. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I'm entering uh, my seventh year uh, being a pastor on top of that. I've written Bible studies and sermons each week for the past six years. And I still don't know the Word of God like I should. I am still ashamed and embarrassed at how little of God's Word I know. I still struggle each week to preach the Word of God, to understand what the reading is and come up with a sermon and write it to preach to you. When, when I was younger, I used to think, look, okay, the, the pastors, they already know everything. They went to seminary. They got these four years of training. And now all they're doing is telling us what they learned in those four years. But that's not how it works. The, the seminary, this education is just the start, the beginning of it. It's the foundation. To be a good pastor, you have to constantly be in theology. You have to constantly study. You are constantly a student of the Word, it's only the beginning, every day, every week. Now, it may look like the studies and the sermons come easy, but they don't. Uh, I don't have a knack for theology. Neither does any pastor. The little bit that I do know has come through a lot of study, a lot of listening, a lot of reading, a lot of writing, asking and thinking and repetition. Good theology is very important very difficult is a constant denial of the self it does not come easy to me and it does not come easy to anybody now I I, I mean um, think think of yourself (laughs) think of how many times you have set out to memorize the Ten Commandments and do you know them all by heart in order What is the seventh commandment? The third. (laughs) Okay, the second. All right. Now, do you know what they mean to? Uh, Can you recite them? Can you, how, how much of the catechism do you honestly know? How many times have you set out to read the Bible cover to cover and not made it through? Because your mind doesn't understand what it's reading. Or skipped parts of the Bible because you don't get it. Okay, now, uh, on, on the other hand, consider this, how many sports team lineups and rosters and stats and songs and lyrics can you rattle off without even trying? And how easy is math and history or science or music or literature to you? And how much filth and wickedness of this world do you easily remember? that is stuck to your minds and your hearts. You cannot scrub that out. Now, how hard is it for you to read the Bible and pay attention and understand it and rejoice in it? This darkness of mind and the ignorance of God isn't a trivial thing. It's not like we're just getting the wrong answers on a test or something. Our being wrong about God is actually harmful to us. Our not knowing God means that many times we fall for idols. Now, our brains come up with the wrong things and they're destructive to us. And that's why this is uh, what I'm leading up to. You cannot even be your own pastor. (laughs) You can't apply the Word of God to yourself. Uh, I've seen it happen more times than I can count. uh, For example, somebody who keeps returning to the same sin over and over and over again. A wicked habit that is destroying their soul. That is leading them to hell. To to, to make a shipwreck of their faith. And then they'll just say to themselves something like this. They'll say, look, well, well, it's okay. Because God forgives me. And they keep living in sin without an ounce of repentance or sorrow. And they apply the word of God to themselves at the wrong time because they don't know what word they need to hear. And they use the blood of Jesus as a license to sin, as permission. And they turn the forgiveness of God into permission as as a, a free pass to do whatever you want. So the Lord died for me. He gave his life for me. He spilled his blood for me. And so therefore, I will do whatever I want. Somebody who does this, somebody who does this does not know theology and does not need to apply the gospel to himself. He needs somebody to preach the law into his ears in its full sternness to preach the wrath of God against sin to crush this proud and hardened heart so that he would repent. We are very bad at doing this to ourselves. <clears throat> the, the, the reverse is true also. I've seen people who are truly repentant, who are sorrowful over their sins, who indeed fear the wrath of God, who are afraid of what is waiting for them in the life to come, who long for the salvation after they've fallen into terrible and horrible and manifest and embarrassing sins. And they say to themselves this. They say, God will never forgive me. God must be disgusted with me. He must hate me. How can I even step a foot in the church again? And they end up throwing themselves into despair and they refuse any hope or grace or salvation for themselves because they think they don't deserve it. Now, somebody who does this does not need to apply the law to themselves. Rather, he needs to hear somebody preach the gospel in its purity, in its clarity, the holy gospel that Jesus, who for the sake of, Of your salvation, gave his life, spilled his blood to save you, and washed away every single sin. Even the most disgusting, embarrassing, and habitual sins. That Christ has come to forgive you and take away your guilt and your shame. On our own, we are bad theologians. We don't know the things of God as we should, And we don't know which word to hear, his law or his gospel. When we are in the crisis, when we're in trouble, when we're in the moment, we don't know which one to apply to ourselves. In fact, uh, now now this is the thing. It's not only that we start out, this is how we start out. But if you don't hear the word of God, this is what you're going to refer back to constantly. This is your default mode, is bad theology. Now, this is why it's so important to come to church to hear the word. It's not because you need to volunteer or give money or, or do anything. You need to come to church because if you don't, you will fall back into this ignorance from which the Lord saved you. You will fall back into it. You will, you will learn. You will know less about God. You will learn his gospel less and you'll forget it. So the, the thing is, uh, no human schooling or culture Can take away this ignorance of God or this lack of intelligence. Uh, You will graduate from a thousand schools, but never this one. Never the school of the Holy Spirit. Never His church. And this is why you need to constantly come to church to study His Word, to talk to your pastor, to read the Bible, to devote yourself to God's Word day and night. For those of you who come to church and attend Bible studies, I've seen you grow in leaps and bounds in God's word. And I've seen you have peace in the midst of chaos and all of these things. Now, dear saints, it is only the word of God preached to you from the outside into your ears that can make you wise for salvation. And what that means is that if you know anything about God right now, if you know about His Christ, His forgiveness, and His redemption, then it is not by your reason or strength. But it is only because the Holy Spirit has called you by the gospel, enlightened you with His gifts, and sanctified and kept you in the true faith. You aren't a Christian because you are smarter or wiser or more intelligent than everybody else. You are a Christian because the Lord loves you, because he has grace and mercy upon you, because he wanted you to know how much he cares for you, what he's done to save you. That is why you know anything about God. Now, you know Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. You believe this in your heart. You confess it with your mouth. And that is because God has blessed you. This wasn't revealed by flesh and blood, but by your dear Father in heaven. If you hear these words right now, and you understand what I'm saying, that all of your sins are forgiven by the death and the resurrection of Jesus, your Lord, then that is because Jesus has enlightened your mind by purchasing you and winning you from sin and making you his own. God has turned you from a bad theologian into a faithful one. Not by intelligence, but through his gospel, by giving you faith. So pay attention to the Word of God and study it, and cling to it tightly. And if you come across something in the Bible, or the service, or the catechism, or the sermon, that you cannot understand, that you cannot grasp in the moment, Don't just write it off and and think that it's unimportant. Don't don't cast it aside. When Jesus spoke to his parents in the gospel lesson, remember, at the very end, it says, uh, Jesus responds to them and he says, Don't you know that I have to be in my father's, uh, about my father's things? He says this to his parents and his parents and the scriptures say, And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. They didn't understand what he said. But then it goes on and it says this, And his mother treasured up all of these things in her heart. When you don't understand something, you do what Mary did. You treasure it up in your heart. You don't write it off as if it's not important, as if it's over my head. I don't need to understand this. No, you hold on to it and cling to it as a mystery, as something beautiful. That you, and you pray. You go back to those words. You reread them. You study them. You repent and you pray that God take away the sin that is hiding this meaning from you. God loves you and nothing that he says is useless or unimportant. What he said is for you and for your salvation. Blessed are your ears because they hear. Amen. Hear the words of this hymn. My soul was carnal, blind and bound by sin and never sought thee. Lord Jesus, though I ever found all else, no comfort brought me. Not peace, no rest within my breast. My troubled soul remained unblessed. Of thee I never bethought me. To me the preaching of the cross is wisdom everlasting. Thy death alone redeems my loss. On thee my burden casting. I in thy name a refuge claim from sin and death and from all shame. Blessed be thy name, O Jesus.